Praise God, praise God, praise God. Well, it's good to be back in Bodkins, Ohio. The Good to see all of you and be in this great church and to be a part of this great Pentecost conference. I don't know what I'm going to do because uh, one of the greatest preachers I know preached here on Monday night, and that was Ronnie Harrison. And... Um, and our dear friend from Rhode Island preached last night. And so, I'm telling you, I'm just going to have to dig a little deeper, do my best to feed you tonight and bring you a word from heaven. And I do want to thank you for being here in this great conference and being here tonight and tomorrow night. And if you don't like what you hear tonight, then come back tomorrow night, and I promise I'll do better. And if you do like what you hear, come back tomorrow night, and I promise I'll do better. <laughs> but it's going to be a great two nights that we have. Tomorrow night, I'm going to preach the message entitled, One More Time. And I believe God has a word for the house tomorrow night. And I'll tell you more about that because I'm going to bridge into it a little bit. You know how I preach. It's just not isolated messages. But I'm going to build a bridge tonight to tomorrow night because I believe some of you are one more time from seeing some of the greatest things you've ever seen in your life. I want to thank your pastors, uh, Pastors Pete and Phyllis Dosick, for the continual support and love that they have shown this ministry for the last 36 years. And um, they have been such a blessing to myself and my wife, and my wife sends her love, and uh, we just thank God for our relationship with the Dosics. In case you don't know, you're in a great house. This is a great church. It is a world-impacting church. It's a regional impacting church, and it's a personal impacting church. And if you thank God for your pastors and only believe ministries, give God one more great praise. Well, we're in a Pentecost conference. Sunday is Pentecost. And I want you to open your Bibles or turn on your phones or however you extract the Scripture. All the young people pull out their phones. And here's a little old school word for you. Get a Bible you can hold in your hand other than your phone. And I, I, you know, I thank God that if I'm on a plane or I'm someplace, uh, I can just easily access Scripture but there is still something about picking up this book and making your fingerprints all over the pages of it and making it your personal possession because it's just a personal thing. And uh, so I hope all of you, whichever technology you're using, printed or technological, get a Bible, okay? Get a Bible, not a phone with a Bible on it. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, the old side of him is showing. <laughs> yeah, you should. Amen. Second chapter of the book of Joel. Second chapter of the book of Joel. I want to read my text, and then we'll get into this word. I've got a word for you tonight that's going to rock your world. 
Second chapter, 21st verse. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Everybody say great things. Have you ever found out God's not really interested in doing mediocre things or average things or just doing things? How many believe he's ready to do some great things? Say it with me again, great things. Be not afraid, ye beast of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately. Did you hear the prophetic word that went forth? God's declaring to you there is an outpouring. There is a spiritual rain that is getting ready to descend, and it isn't coincidental that we're right here in the Holy Scripture. And he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former and the latter, in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the fats or the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years, everybody say, and I will restore the years that the locust hath eaten the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed or disgraced. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward. And it shall come to pass afterward, which means after all this has happened, then I'm going to send spiritual rain mm. that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions and also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out of my spirit. Father, anoint every ear to hear, every mind to perceive and every heart to believe in the name of Jesus and everyone said, you may be seated. When you open into the second chapter of the book of Acts, the Bible tells us, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing and mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like an as to fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Then it goes on to declare there were devout men out of every nation. So understanding it was a feast, understanding it was one of the main feasts of the nation of Israel. People had descended upon Jerusalem and there had been a population explosion of people from all over the world. And they heard the sound and they were drawn to the sound from heaven and they begin to descend upon the place where the sound and that they had seen the ball of fire from heaven descend upon the upper room. 
and when they saw the men and the women of God pouring out of the upper room and they were all speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, they begin to say these men and women are drunk and Simon Peter or the Apostle Peter stood up and said, these are, we are not drunk as ye suppose, but this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. That in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions and upon my servants and upon my handmaidens in that day I will pour out of my spirit and they will prophesy. The part we miss in this whole dialogue is this word afterward. Because in every great supernatural outpouring, you say, well, obviously that was completely fulfilled in the uh, second chapter of the book of Acts. I don't believe that was completely fulfilled in the second chapter of the book of Acts, nor was it completely fulfilled in the prophecy of Joel because there were aspects of what God prophesied to the nation of Israel that is in the first segment that happened because the restoration of years did occur and God began to bring supernatural blessing back upon the nation of Israel. But I do believe there is a divine supernatural, divine pattern that is being established here, that God is going to do something that precedes the reign of the Spirit, and it is going to be a natural thing that begins to occur to equip and empower the church and God's people to fulfill its work and destiny on earth. So God said, in the 21st verse, for the Lord will do great things. Everybody say great things. See, God's going to start doing some things on planet earth despite what people may think. And I don't think I have ever seen in my 40 plus years of ministry such antagonisms toward the church as I see it now. Such mockery such demeaning things that the media and the entertainment industry seizes every opportunity that it can to say something disparaging about the house of God and the principles of Christianity. But God's getting ready to do some great things. Mm. You say, oh, pastor, there, there's just so many mountains that are so difficult to move, so many different philosophies that are difficult to deal with. How are we going to see the breakthroughs, especially in the United States? Because we're seeing God move in massive ways all throughout the world. Your pastor can testify uh, about Uganda. He can testify about Nigeria. He can tell you about other nations and other places that there seems to be no blockades and no limits, but the windows of heaven had opened up and miraculous things are happening every minute of the day. But when we come back to America, we have become so satisfied with things and so satisfied with houses and cars and uh, retirement accounts and diamonds and rubies and emeralds and accolade and comfort uh, that we have had a famine for the things of the Spirit. And we become unsatisfied with, uh, we've kind of come to a place that 
mediocrity in our house is unacceptable. Mediocrity in the vehicle we drive is uh, unacceptable. Having a limited amount of finance is unacceptable. But being starved spiritually is okay. But God said, I'm going to do great things. And then he, then he begins to say, I'm going to send the former. And then he said, then I'm going to send the latter. Because when you understand the patterns of rain in Israel, they had the former rain. And this is a great place to preach about this because you guys understand agriculture a lot better than I do. You know, I was born in San Francisco and raised in Denver. And I wasn't raised on a wheat field. But I do understand from the biblical perspective that there were two seasons of rain that had to occur. And if those seasons did not happen the way they should, then they would have mediocre harvest or no harvest. But God said, now, because you are returning to me, I am going to cause the former rain to fall when it should and in the amount that it should. Then I will cause the latter rain to fall when it should and the way that it should. And if these things happen by my permission, then everything else is going to start coming together. Are you ready for some things to start coming together? And the floors shall be full of wheat. Everybody say full. And the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. Say overflow. And I will restore to you the years. Everybody say years. John 10, 10 said, The thief cometh not but to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. How many has the enemy stolen anything from you? Okay, we'll try that again. I said, how many has the enemy stolen anything from you? How many has he killed anything? Come on, how many of you experienced the destructive powers of the enemy? But the Lord said, okay, you can either focus on what he's done or you can realize who I am because I am come that you might have life and have it overflowingly, superfluously, or abundantly. See, when you begin to deal with the nature of God, you have to begin to deal with patterns and you also have to deal with his nature. And God is not an, in the nature of just enough. He said the floors shall be full of wheat. When we get into line with God, the floors are going to be full. The vats are going to begin to overflow. And there is going to be a restoring of anything that has been stolen, destroyed, or killed. Now, a lot of times we would just want to jump over this part, but I think this is a real important part. That the locust hath eaten the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army that I sent among you. So now, wait, 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 wait a minute. So God sent his army, and his army... He gave permission to destroy. And the reason he did is because they were in a backslidden place. Now, I got some good news for you out of this very negative segment. 
just because you goofed up doesn't mean God's going to cut you off. No, 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 you didn't catch that. Just because you have made mistakes or you made wrong decisions or you acted unwisely or maybe even sinfully doesn't mean that God is going to permanently cut you off. What he's going to do is he's going to bring you back to the place that you need to be in relationship with him. And when you get to the place you're supposed to be, he will start activating supernatural restoration. Oh, that's a good place to shout. I think you should give God about a 10-second shout on that. No, I said I think you ought to give God about a 10-second shout right now. Hallelujah. If we are dependent upon doing everything perfect, if we are dependent upon every move we're making, being without, being with perfect wisdom, being in the perfect epicenter of God's plan, purpose, and will, if we are dependent upon that, then all of us are going to die depressed, disappointed, and bankrupt. Because we've all sinned and come short of his glory. We've all gone left when we should have gone right. We've all said this is God and it was more flesh than it was Holy Ghost. And these people had come into a backslidden place and God had released, yes, a word we don't like to talk about. He had released a judgment. But God said, I'm getting ready to do great things because I'm getting you right where I want you to be now. And because I'm getting you back to where you you need to be. I'm going to restore the years that the enemy has taken. Now, sometimes I think there's just pure, unadulterated, demonic attack that comes against people's lives. Other times I think there's things we bring on ourselves because we just stupid. Now, it's not the politically correct way to say that we're mentally challenged or stupid we just do dumb stuff we say things we shouldn't say we do things we shouldn't do like I say we make unwise decisions we uh, there there are deceiving masterful con artists that are out there and sometimes instead of having the mind of God we have the mind of the flesh and we don't discern as we should and then all of a sudden we wake up one day and say where did it all go and then feel like, well, how can I ask God to bring restoration? Because if I'd have been wiser and smarter, then this wouldn't have happened. But I got some good news for you. God will bless you despite you. God will honor you when you get back in the epicenter of his purpose. And he can look at you and say, I know you goofed up. I know you acted unwisely. I know you didn't invest like seeking my face. But I'm still going to bring restoration of things. I'm still going to bless you because I want you overflowing. I want you full. I want you having more than enough. Mm. You're going to eat in plenty. Everybody say plenty. You're going to be satisfied. Say satisfied. And the praise and, and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be disgraced. 
and ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God, and none else in my people shall never be ashamed or disgraced. And it shall come to pass afterward. I want you to hear this is more than a sermon. I want to prophesy something to you. There's an afterward coming. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I'm waiting on my afterward. Because what's getting ready to happen is God's getting ready to get you right back where you've got to be. He's got to get you out from under the influence of the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He's got to get you out of the influence of the driving forces of your emotion and get you back to where you're truly led of the Spirit. And as he does, he will restore the years. And when he restores the years, he's going to send something from heaven as of a rushing and a mighty wind as a fire from heaven and you're going to experience just as much spiritual overflow as you are natural overflow. God does not need nor want a busted, disgusted church. God can work just as well with a blessed, empowered people. No, you're not hearing me. I said he can work just as well with a blessed and empowered people. Say, oh, Pastor, there's just so many things going on in my life, so many things that have happened, so many setbacks. Well, he's getting ready to restore the years. And when he restores the years, there's going to be an afterword. Pastors, I want you to hear me on something. You're going to start seeing God do some things financially in your ministries like you've never seen happen before. And when you see that happen, don't get excited just about the natural blessing, but let the natural blessing be a prophecy to you about an afterward, that there's something getting ready to open up in the heavens, and then it's going to be greater than ever before. We've all said, well, I'm going to have a spiritual outpouring, and then there's going to come financial breakthrough. It looks like here I'm going to send the breakthroughs and then I'm going to send the afterward. I don't understand it. I'm just reading the way God put it out there. That there's something getting ready to happen, the natural and when it does, it's as though God is saying, I'm putting into your hands everything that you need to fulfill my destiny of supernatural restoration revival of planet earth. Hmm. Go to Ezra. Ezra, it's right before Nehemiah. It's right after Second Chronicles. It's in the Old Testament. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now let, let's stop there for just a second. In the first year of Cyrus, king of what? So this guy's not a Jew. This is not in the first year of David, king of Israel. This is in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Could we venture to say that Cyrus was not what you call a total follower of Jehovah or the law of Moses? How many would probably agree with me on that? Three of you, praise God. I know a breakthrough is coming. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, 
that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. This thing grabbed me a few days ago as I almost fall off the platform. This thing grabbed my spirit a few days ago, and I got to thinking, what did God say to Jeremiah? Well, God said to Jeremiah, there is coming a captivity because of the backslidden condition of my people, and that captivity will come, and it will last for 70 years. Now, stay with me. So, 70 years before the first year of Cyrus, but yet God knew exactly who he wanted in office as king of Persia 70 years after Nebuchadnezzar had taken Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the elite of Israel and tore down the temple and tore down the walls of Jerusalem and left it in ruin. God had prophesied through Jeremiah that from that day to a day of restoration, everybody say restoration, would be 70 years. Now, God didn't care particularly about all the stuff that people cared about. All God cared about is this is what I've already said. Seventy years ago, I said that in 70 years, I was going to bring restoration. And at the end of 70 years, the captivity of my people was going to end. And all that matters to me is what I said. So at the end of the 70 years, because Jeremiah had prophesied the thus saith the Lord, God said, now I've got to get something in motion. That's what got me stirred up. That God stirred the spirit of an unbelieving king. God stirred the spirit not of a man that said the law of Moses is what I live by or a man that says I hunger to be like David was. He was just the king of Persia and a man that had followed false gods. But God said, I said 70 years ago this thing is going to be over and I'm going to activate the restoration of my people and my nation. So what do I have to do? I'm going to stir Cyrus. They weren't in captivity because they'd been godly. They were in captivity because they'd been ungodly. But God didn't care about that, what he cared about is right now, I'm going to have a people that I can work through, and right now, I don't care who's king. I'm on stirring. That Cyrus, let, let's back up here. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Everybody say fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, which was basically the known world, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith king Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth. So now he's publicly in written and in verbal proclamation declared, it's the God of heaven that gave me all these kingdoms. 
and he hath charged me, or he has told me, to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. This isn't David or Solomon. This is Cyrus, king of Persia. Say, what does this have to do with me? There's getting ready to something begin to happen. And I, I just want you to hear me. Something is in the supernatural atmosphere. And all of a sudden, those that have seemingly been enemies of the church, enemies of the mission of Christ, enemies of the body of Christ, are going to stop in their tracks uh, and uncharacteristically say, I'm getting ready to make a proclamation. I'm getting ready to declare something. I'm getting ready to decree something. Uh, stay in here. Uh, because what is beginning to happen here and what's in the fourth verse, it says, And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts besides the free will offering to the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Now he's telling them to take up an offering. I want silver. I want gold. I want cattle. I want everything that is needed. Now when you get into this, I'm not going to take all the time. But then it goes on in the 11th verse. And it says, All the vessels of gold and silver were 5,400. And all these did they bring up with them of the captivity that were brought up from Babylon under Jerusalem. Everything that had been stolen from the house of God was now being restored to the house of God. Say, what does this have to do with me? There is an afterword coming. There is a God that is setting up the stage for something miraculous and something supernatural. For 70 years, the temple had been torn down. For 70 years, there had been no blood sacrifice. For 70 years, there had been no true, total, complete worship because of the rebellion of the nation of Israel. But God gave them a word. This is not going to last forever. This is a 70-year period. And when this period is up, God said, to fulfill my word, I'm going to stir Cyrus. God's getting ready to stir some people that you're going to be shocked when they get stirred. God's going to start stirring some people in your lives and in your relationships that are going to be Cyrus's to your ministry, Cyrus's to your life, Cyrus's to the cause of the kingdom. And he's going to begin to get a hold of them. And they're going to look at you and say, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm stirred in my spirit to do it. I don't know why I want to help your church, but I feel stirred to do it. You're going to look at him and say, you've never been to my church. You don't, you don't even profess to know the Lord. You don't even call on the name of the Lord. You've never spoken in tongues. You don't believe the gifts of spirit. I know, I know, but something has stirred me in my spirit. I want to pay your building off, or I want to give you this to do the work of the kingdom. I have something stirred in my spirit. I know we've never met before, but God has been stirring my spirit, and I've amassed all this wealth, but I want to release it to you for the cause of the king. Something stirred in my spirit about you, and I want to help you fulfill this business venture. I want to help you fulfill your dream and say, oh, that can't happen. Why can't it happen? Anything God has ever done once, he can do it again, and he can do it again, and he can do it again. Say, so what does this have to do with Pentecost? It has a lot to do with Pentecost. Pentecost. 
because Pentecost was the birthing of the church. Pentecost was something that Peter said, this is that. This is that. This is that. And this is this that is that was preceded by restoration. You know why most people can't do what they want to do for God? Most of it has to do with money. It doesn't have to do with passion. If I really sat down and talked to all of you, you could talk to me for a long, long time about what you're passionate about. I'd say, well, do it. Well, you know, there's a big price tag to that. If I talk to pastor about certain things he has a vision to do, his vision is bigger than sometimes the resources. And he's watched God supernaturally supply. But if he could just say, I got a blank chalkboard and this is what I want to do, there would be a multi-million dollar budget attached to it. But I'm telling you something, there's an afterword. There is an outpouring that is coming. But what precedes it is a supernatural release that only God can bring. See, you got a Cyrus. So do you. Somebody that's going to get stirred in their spirit to help you do what you're destined to do. And it's all connected to your God said. Because the reason Cyrus was stirred was because of what God had already said. No, you got a Cyrus. And the reason Cyrus will come is because of what God has already said to you. The reason that that person will give orders for certain things to be done is because they don't know it, but it's because of what God's already said to you. Whew. Think of all the things God said to this church in the little place across the freeway. Think of all the things that God said in the first expansion. Think of all the things that God declared in the second expansion. Think of all the things that God has been saying to only believe in this facility. And at some point, God's looking down and says, you know, Pastor Dosick, you're going to need a Cyrus. And I'm going to stir him. You say, well, is that scriptural? Well, the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for who? The righteous. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.18, according to the prophecies, Paul speaking to Timothy, according to the prophecies who went before on thee, that thou mightest by them war a good warfare. The greatest weapon you have in your arsenal is what God's already said to you. Now we just, you know, we, we, we've got Pentecost coming up Sunday, but we just went through Memorial Day, and Memorial Day is all about remembering. You know what the enemy's trying to always keep in, or keep in place? He's trying to get you to forget what you need to remember and remember what you need to forget. No, that's good stuff right there. Look at your name and say, that's better than he usually dishes out. No, he, 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 something's always happening to us. We're remembering what we need to forget and forgetting what we need to remember. 
because the Bible says through the writings of Peter that we should stir up our pure mind or our spiritual mind which has to do with spiritual judgment and spiritual discernment to stir up our judging and our discernment stirring up our pure mind by what? By way of remembrance. See, when your mind begins to operate remembering what God has already said to you if people would have been in captivity, remember, well, Jeremiah prophesied about this, and he said it was going to have a 70-year life expectancy. Nobody was remembering that. They just hung their harps up on the willow trees. We can't sing the songs of Zion anymore. Oh, we're never going to get back. No, we, no we're going to get back because God said this is only going to last 70 years, and we're in the 69th year. Something's going to happen. Well, how's it going to happen? Now we got a new king coming on. No telling what he's going to do to us. Oh, but God said in the first year, which was the last year, Cyrus's first year was Israel's last year of captivity and God stirred him up and he just didn't say well let the people go back no he said God's appointed me to rebuild the temple now you got to get this because upon the rebuilding of the temple comes the fire upon the rebuilding of the temple comes the glory upon the rebuilding of the temple comes the supernatural it, there's an afterword but what preceded the building of the temple was Cyrus saying Loose the gold, loose the silver, loose the flocks, loose everything they need. As you get into this further, he's saying every ox they need, every bit of cattle they need, every lamb they need, uh, everything they need to offer sacrifices continually, you make sure it's there. I'm telling you, if you don't do what I tell you to do, there is, excuse me, going to be hell to pay. And he issued a decree. Then Darius comes after him and rereads the proclamation and reaffirms anything they need to do what they need to do we are supplying it we are honoring it we are doing it and you say what does this have to do with me I don't know about you but I believe and I receive that we have a Cyrus coming to our life if I have unfulfilled prophecy due to limited resources then somehow God has to supply it to fulfill what he said. Galatians 6, 9 says, Do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season. Due season. Whether they liked it or not, the word of the Lord said, this is going to last for 70 years. But in due season, you're going to reap if you don't give up. Tomorrow night I'm going to preach about one more time. Because the problem is with some people, you are so close to your breakthrough, but you're ready to give up. You are so close to your miracle, and you're ready to give up. And you're saying, God, I can't do this. I prayed, I fasted, I believed, I've given, I've done this, I've done that. And nothing seems to shift or nothing seems to change. But he said, there's an appointed time. There is something in the appointments of God, but you can miss it. How can I miss it? You give up. What if your miracle is right here and you quit here? I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But great marathon runners find out that a lot of times their arch enemy is not their body. It's their mind. 
Because these guys that are running these massive marathons, these Ironman contests, I've got a young man in my church that does this all the time. And if he doesn't press through, it's not about his conditioning because he conditions all the time. It's about a mental block. And you know what? We've got too many of God's people with too many mental blocks. Why? Because they haven't stirred up their pure mind by virtue of way of remembrance. You have got to keep remembering everything that God has said. You have got to keep remembering every prophecy that God has spoken over your individual life and over you as a church. Uh, some of you need to remind your pastor when you look back through your archives and say, remember in 2010, God said this about our church. Remember in 2012, God declared this. Remember in 1990, God declared this. Uh, what happens? Uh, by way of remembrance, we stir up our pure mind uh, and we will reap if we don't give up. Somebody give God a praise. I'm trying to hurry because I don't want to hold you too late because I want to make sure you get back for one more time. 2 Corinthians 4 1 says, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we don't faint. We don't give up. You know, sometimes you just got to look at yourself and say, I have what I have by the mercies of God, and I refuse to give up. I'm going to run the race. I'm going to finish the course. And, you know, some days it's not as enthusiastic as other days. I quit the ministry at least once a week, usually on Monday. But then by Monday afternoon, I'm back in. Because I know I've come too far to quit now. I've run too many miles. I've fought too many devils. Uh, I've been lied on too many times. I've been betrayed too many times. Uh, I've been hurt too many times. And if you think I'm going to miss my harvest, I got news for you, baby. You can quit if you want to quit, but I'm not quitting. Uh, and people say, well, you're too old to fulfill that dream. You're too old to fulfill that word. No, 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 no. I just keep praying God will renew my youth like the eagle. Uh, I'll run and not be weary. I'll walk and not faint. Uh, if I've got an unfulfilled word, then I'm not quitting because I'm expecting to reap if I don't give up. First mm. Kings 18.1. First Kings 18.1. The word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, show thyself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. Huh. The word of the Lord came to Ahab, to, to Elijah, in the third year, saying, Go show thyself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And I will send rain upon the earth. Huh. I will send rain upon the earth. Then you go over to the 41st verse. Now, again, we're dealing with a realignment of a nation. Israel had never been pre or post any more backslidden than they were at this moment. The spirit of Jezebel had so infiltrated Israel that for the first time, the house of God had been supplanted 
by temples of Baal. She'd imported all her powerful prophets. And the nation's culture had been perverted. Sound anything sound familiar? Who would have thought? Who would have thought three decades ago that we would have to spend time discussing the principle of marriage? That it's between a man and a woman. But now you can lose an election if you don't wave the rainbow flag. Hmm. Who would have thought that we would value whales more than we do human life? Because we promote saving the whales. And in the next commercial, we promote killing the unborn. What has happened? Our culture has been perverted. Oh, we could go on and on about all of the little idiosyncrasies that are going on in high places and in powerful places. But God said, because of what I said, I will stir Cyrus to rebuild. Catch this. Not to build. To rebuild. Not to build, to rebuild. There's a rebuilding coming. What did the prophet do when he first marched up to Carmel? He repaired the altar of the Lord. There is a rebuilding and there is a repairing because there has been a perverting of the very foundational culture that our nation has been built upon. And now our children are growing up thinking that perversion and abnormality is normal and should be embraced and should be accepted. But God is getting ready to do something. He's getting ready to make the church armed and dangerous again. He's getting ready to put into the hands of godly people resources and wealth and blessing like they have never seen before. And instead of saying, how can we do it? God's going to send us a Cyrus. So Ahab appears. And this is the beginning of tomorrow night. And Ahab appears and he says, I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. There was not even a cloud in the sky, as we know. But I heard a sound. And Ahab's looking. There's no lightning. There's no thunder. The skies aren't darkening. There's no clouds. There's no overcast. The sun's beating down. It may be probably the hottest day of the year in Israel. The ground is parched, uh, but fire has fallen. And the prophet is saying, i got to tell you something. The nation has come back to God. I have rebuilt the altar. Uh, oh, Cyrus is saying, I'm going to loose millions to rebuild. Build the temple of the Most High God. And the altar had been rebuilt. And as the altar had been rebuilt, he said, I hear a sound. I hear a sound. I hear a sound. What was the sound? I will send rain upon the earth. 
What was God doing? He was whispering in the ear of the prophet. He was prophesying to him, it's going to rain, buddy. Tell him it's going to rain. Go show yourself to Ahab and tell him it's going to rain. And so what did he do? I hear a sound. I heard the sound. And there came a sound from heaven uh, as of a rushing and a mighty wind. I hear a sound, ladies and gentlemen. I hear a sound. I hear a sound. The day of all this user-friendly, gospel-perverting preaching is getting ready to come to a halt because there's a sound. There's a sound of desperation. I saw scores of people at the altar tonight with broken hearts. Pastor talked about leaking cisterns. There are going to be people going in and out of churches, going in depressed, going out depressed. But, oh, it was a good show. Going in bound and going out bound. Going in sick and going out sick. Going in angry and coming out angry. And they're going to walk out the door one more time. And they're going to say, there's got to be something better than this. There's got to be something greater than this. There's got to be a power that can set me free from the power of the enemy. And God is rebuilding the church. God is rebuilding the altars. God is rebuilding the anointed. God is raising up young lions that are going to preach with boldness and power. And I got news for you. There is a sound of an abundance of rain. One more time. Some of you are going to understand. It's going to be one more time. You're thinking God's never going to answer. But one more time is going to come about. You're thinking it isn't going to happen. But God said, come on, keep pressing with me one more time. Keep praying one more day. Keep believing one more moment. Oh, I'm getting way over into tomorrow. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there was 120. But if, if my theological historicity is correct, over 500 heard the commission. Go to Jerusalem and tarry till you be due to power from on high. What happened to those other 380? They couldn't hang in there another day. See, 40 days had gone by. But there was a 10-day 10-day period that God said, now I'm looking for who I can really rebuild and build my church. And oh man, the first day, Lord, what are we waiting on? I don't know. What's it going to feel like? I don't know. When's it coming? He didn't say, Lord, I got a soccer game to get to and I have a business appointment I got to deal with. You know, some people, they love the Lord, but there comes that moment in time. Don't ask me to come back on Thursday night. I made it on Wednesday. You mean you want me here on a Monday? And then I hear a good word on Tuesday. I think I got enough to keep me going. But see, some of them on the second day said, I, man, I, it doesn't seem, I don't feel nothing. I don't see nothing. Nobody's been healed. No miracles are out. Third day, fifth day, seventh day, eighth day, ninth day. But there were some one more day people. There were some people said, I don't know. I, he told me I've come this far. Haven't eaten in a while. Been praying. Haven't felt nothing. Haven't seen nothing. Haven't experienced 
uh, but he said power was coming. He said something was going to fall out of the heavens, uh, and he never lied to us before. Thank God that there were 120 one more day people, uh, people that said, wait a minute, uh, I've come too far to stop now. I've come too far to give up now. I've come too far not to go all the way. They didn't know it was just one more day. See, there comes a point you don't care no more. There comes a point one more meal don't matter anymore. Comes a point one more dollar doesn't matter anymore. Comes a point one more hour, one more day, one more week, it doesn't matter anymore. What matters is I am who God says I am. I'm warring with what God said to me. I'm not going to forget what God prophesied over me. I will not stop. It doesn't matter if I have thick black hair, salt and pepper, gray hair, no hair. Doesn't matter what, how old I am or how young I am. What matters is God said it, and if he has to stir a Cyrus, he'll stir him. Because if I lack resources to fulfill my destiny, he will stir me a Cyrus. If I lack anointing to possess my destiny, he will send fire from heaven. If I, if I need to be reinvigorated and re-stimulated, he will give me new wine. And if I need something that will calm my mind, he'll anoint my head with oil one more time. But I am going to get there. No, I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize. I will not stop. I will not fall a hundred yards short. I will not be one trip too less. I am who God says I am. Every prophecy, every word of knowledge, everything that God has declared, he's going to bring it to pass. He's going to do it. He's going to accomplish it. And I've got news for you. There is an afterward Holy Ghost explosion that is going to proceed a supernatural restoration of all things. And if you believe it and receive it, give God one more good shout. Come on and praise him. Come on and praise him. Lift your hands up toward heaven. As the musicians come and they're, they're in route. Nikki, how are you? Man, I tell you. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You can't afford me. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Put it in whatever key you all want to sing it in. Because, see, God's getting ready to make a way. I want you to stand up. Light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keep light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. He's a way maker. 
the darkness, my God, that is who you are. He's a way maker, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. So way maker, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light. Stop working, even when I don't see it, you're working, and even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working, you never stop, you never stop working, even when I don't see it, you're working, even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working, you never stop. Stop working, you never stop, you never stop working. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Come here, LD. My brother and sister from Rhode Island, come here. Come here, buddy, you and your wife. I don't know if there's other pastors here that are pastoring churches, but but I I, I want if you're here, skip get down here. Uh, yeah, there you are. Sorry. I want you to hear me in the Holy Ghost with this thing. I re- I really want you to hear me in the Spirit on this. There is a God that is going to stir up some things. My father said this, and I remember as a little boy in San Francisco when he was pastoring the largest Protestant church in San Francisco. He would constantly say these words from sources. You never thought it would come. God is going to bless you. God's in love with his church. Now, I I want you to understand something. God is in love with his church. Or Robert said this to me when our building was under construction. He said, you're going to see the greatest miracles up to this point financially you've ever seen in your ministry. And I said, well, why do you say that, Dr. Robbs? Because he said, God is in love with his church. And I want you guys that are men of God over congregations and over churches to hear me. God is in love with your church. He is for you. And I want you to understand that God has put you into a relational dynamic with this man of God, Peter Dosick. And it's for a reason, because this man understands how much God loves the church because he started on a dirt floor garage with, what, two people or one person or yourself, Phyllis, 
and you made her come to church and you paid Dreamer to come. But the thing was, this church now has impacted millions upon millions upon millions of lives. But this thing's hitting my spirit, brother. He said, I stirred Cyrus to rebuild my house. And God is going to give you men and women a Cyrus. He is going to send from sources you never thought it would come, resources to do impossible things. And LD, we've been in the ministry a long time. We've seen the good. We've seen the bad. We've seen the ugly. And sometimes we're just saying, God, just help me keep going another week. Help me keep going another month, another year. But God said, that's not how I'm going to do it. I'm going to start adding to my house in the realms of provision in such a way that dreams will never again be stifled from a lack of resource. And you say, well, what if a recession comes? Or what if, uh, what if the election doesn't go the way we hope it does? God is not worried about the things we get worried about. But I want, you to tell, I want to tell you something that uh, God already has sources you do not know of. You've been experiencing it, Philip. Uh, you've been seeing favor, and God prophesied to you about favor in your city, and now you're seeing it manifest, and you were sharing it with me before church. Amazing, amazing. And you look and say, how did this happen in this town? Uh, but God didn't care. But there, you got to understand there's some Cyruses out there for your church and your church and yours and yours and yours and yours. God is going to bring miracles from sources that you never thought it would come. Huh? You have had dreams for your city. You have had visions for your city. Huh? And there have been walls and there have been obstacles repeatedly that have occurred huh? because you are counterculture. You are pressing for something huh? that doesn't seem to be in agreement with the mindset of the community. But the Lord said, I put you there. And I put my mind in your mind. And I am going to cause a favor to supernaturally come upon you. And there are some Cyruses that are going to rise up. And instead of saying, we want to do this, but we can't, you're, they're going to say, what do you want to do? Because I want to make you able to do it. I see the good that God is doing through your ministry. See, there's a supernatural impact happening in your church. I see kids being transformed in your church. I've seen broken homes being healed, and I've seen single parents getting revelated guidance, and I've seen the brokenhearted healed. It's not just another church. It is a unique place. You're preparing a table before people in the presence of the enemy. And God said, I've been making you ready all of your life for the work of your life. You haven't even begun. Even with all the years, you are at the launching pad, saith God. You will reap in your appointed time if you don't give up. Let 
go of the yesterdays. Let go of the betrayals. Let go of the lies. Let go of the historical hurts. Let go of those that have bitten your back and know that it is a new season and there is a new anointing. And the Lord would say, yes, there have been decisions that when you look, said, God, I should have gone left instead of going right. But the Lord would say, the restoration of years is coming upon you. The restoration of years is coming upon you. And a new anointing is yours, saith the Lord of hosts. Somebody praise God. Glory to God. Come on, praise A spirit of encouragement is coming upon you. It's like uh, an energizing for a lack of, I don't have the maybe the right word, but it's like, you know, we have all these rechargeable batteries. It's like sometimes when you look at your phone and that little red bar pops up, you better get it plugged into something or you're going to have a dead phone. And ministry will put you down to that red line pretty quick. But God said, I'm getting ready to charge your battery. I'm getting ready to charge your battery. Because what, and I'm, I'm not being mean to you, but I want you to listen. Stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. What has God said to you? Not what have people said. What, not what is the latest idea you read in a book. Not what, not what the latest thing that you saw on YouTube. What has God said to you? And stir up your pure mind through way of remembrance. And God said, if you will do that, it was one thing that stirred Cyrus's heart. It was myself looking at what I'd already said and said, I got to do something to make this come to pass. And when God looked, when I looked at you tonight, God said, tell him that if he does not give up, I will bring to pass what I have prophesied. And you've been ready to throw your hands up, but there is a reaping. There is a reaping. There is a reaping. And that means there's a reward. That means there's a harvest. That means there's a victory. If you don't give up, you've gone through too much to give up now. If it was a 20-mile race, that's like giving up at 19 and a half miles. You're ready to make one more trip, ready to climb one more flight. And God said, if you'll do it, there's going to be a harvest. But you got to remember what I have already said to you, saith the Lord. Somebody praise Yes. ministry have similarities new marriages are filled with great euphoria honeymoon can't wait to see each other you know what I'm talking about and then you walk through the door and she looks at you and say you wouldn't believe the day I had 
Well, I wanted to come and tell you about the day I had. Well, I don't really care about the day you had because I know what kind of day I had. And you just kind of part company to keep from exchanging blows. But ministry gets that way. You have that euphoric season. Oh, this is so exciting. Oh, bless God. I don't care if I have 12 people. I don't care if I have 100 people. Don't care if I have a thousand. Oh, my God. The opportunity to preach the gospel and lay my hands on the oppressed and the sick. My God. Lord, I just see it. But then, if you don't give up, you look out there and say, man, I worked all this time, and they're yawning. I put all this prayer and fasting in and oh, they got a volleyball game to go to. But in due season, you will reap if you don't faint. Now, I'm not saying you're ready to give up by any short exchange, but I, I am here to tell you, God's getting ready to put some euphoria back in you because from sources you didn't know it would come, God's going to start flowing blessing into your dream. He's going to start flowing miracles into your dream. And instead of saying, if we had this, we do this, you're going to begin to say, we have this. Now, what are we going to do? Which way are we going to go? Are you following me? And God said, I, I said it to this brother over here, God's getting ready. You kind of been on the red line a little bit, but God said, I'm getting ready to charge you back to 100%. You pick up your phone, it says 100%. And you say, oh, man, I can go now. Don't have to worry about it. Have a long conversation on this phone. God said, you're getting ready to see from sources you didn't ever think it would come. God's getting ready to open open doors, make a way, give you favor, and he is getting ready. What did he say? Because of what I spoke through Jeremiah, I stirred Cyrus. And God said, I know what I've said to you, and I've got a Cyrus for you. Miracles. Miracles. It's a fresh oil coming on you. A fresh holy fire. New wine. A new wind is getting ready to blow through the house. The joy of the Lord. Joy of the Lord. This guy used to be really fun. He still is. I'm picking up. He still is. But I know what minute the load it gets. The load it gets. And God said, watch me, son. I'm getting ready to give you a double dose of the joy of the Lord. It's not always going to be fun. I'm comparing something to marriage. Not every day a marriage is fun, but marriage should not be devoid of fun. There's a lot of challenges. There is some worse with the better. There is some richer and some poor. There's some sickness coupled with the health. There's the roller coaster ride of life. And ministry has the same dynamics. But God said, I'm getting ready to give you joy like you haven't felt in a while. And you're going to get in the pulpit. You're going to start preaching and ministry. And all of a sudden, you're going to say, man, that's how I felt. Oh, Lord, the romance is back. The euphoria is back. Oh, my God, I feel like I'm on a second hunt honeymoon with this thing. The glory of the Lord is coming. You go look at him and say, my God, where did that come from? He'll say from heaven. It's coming from the throne room because there's a fresh oil coming on you, saith the Lord of hosts. Somebody when praise God. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Now, 
now. God, God put you in this city. He put you under the covering of an apostolic anointing. You had just been evil. He said, I didn't realize how natural it was to be submitted because you're doing the right thing in the right place and you've got covering over you that loves you and cares about you. But God did put you in that city to do some things that he said in the second book, chapter Joel, I'm going to do great things and I'm going to deal wondrously. And he said, you're never going to be disgraced, never going to be ashamed. And the power and the presence of God's going to come upon you, Philip. I'm sorry, what's your first name again? Regina, Regina and Philip, I, I want you to hear me. There's an anointing, a greater anointing, getting ready to come upon you. But from sources, you never thought it would come. God's going to begin to bring blessing. This that you're building is a natural building, but it is going to have a spiritual power upon it. And uh, it's going to stand for something in the city. And you shared some of the wonderful things that's happening within the community toward the church. But I'm telling you, you haven't seen anything yet. God said, you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet. Because God said, I am bringing to pass things I have already said. And because of it, I will stir the hearts of people that may never walk through the doors. But when they walked and talked to you, they're going to be a source that I'm going to bring into your life that's going to empower you to fulfill what God has declared. You're a funny guy, Philip, because you got crazy dreams. But you dream about being able to write checks out and sow seed. You have dreams about the numbers you're writing on those checks. And sometimes you tell her, and she looks at you like, are you out of your mind, Philip? Because she's a little more logical than you are. She dots I's, cross T's, balances budgets, and you just kind of think of how to spend it. But God has put a dream in you. Said, this is what I want to do for the kingdom. You know, it's like, and I'm not saying this exactly, but it's like, I wish from my church I could write out one check and sponsor an entire crusade. That's my dream that I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to write out one check and help a young man of God build his own building. And the Lord said people have not because they asked that. If you all think I'm up here just guessing stuff, come on up here and give it a whirl. But the thing is, Philip, God put that in your spirit. And the Lord said, I will send the Cyruses that you need in the future to empower you because I put a generosity into your spirit. And God said, because you have a giving spirit and an anointing to give, you will always have a receiving line going. And God said, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself because the former and the latter rain is coming and the afterward is coming as well. Sayeth the Lord of hosts this day. Somebody bless God. Somebody bless God. Hold on just a second. Now, tomorrow night, I'm going to move in a, 
in a bigger corporate way that I'm moving right now. Say, why, you know, you come here and you're always praying for these pastors and you're praying for these leaders. Yes, because every one of these men and women of God are impacting scores to hundreds of families. And if I'm able to impact them, they're going to go back into their churches and impact every family connected to them. And I want to see God bring double portion blessing, triple portion, multiplying into their churches uh, because they're under apostolic anointing and great things are getting ready to happen. You guys need to get ready. There is a new release of the anointing. Uh, you have got a great brain, son. And God said, I'm getting ready to let you explode in the Holy Ghost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing and a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like an as to fire. If you understand this, even historically, it was like God sent this massive fire from the heavens. And when it got to the upper room, for lack of a better way of saying it, it subdivided. And fire fell on Peter. And then fire fell on Mary. And then fire fell on James. And fire fell on John. And fire fell on Martha. And fire fell on Bartholomew. And fire fell on Elizabeth. And fire fell. Uh, on, on men of God and women of God in that upper room because it became their own personal fire. God said there is like a cloven tongue falling upon both of you and I, I don't understand this but God said there is deliverance anointed getting ready to flow through your hands and a generation of young people. I'm not just talking about teenagers. I'm talking about teens. I'm talking about young people in their 20s, but there's a deliverance anointed huh, that is going to come upon you and yokes are going to be broken. Some might be with drugs or alcohol, but a lot of it is going to be things that have to do with pornography and, and, and addictions, the things they're watching. But God said, I'm putting a new fire in you. Huh? I'm putting a new drive in you. Huh? And the spirit of counsel and the spirit of wisdom is going to be upon you. And God said to bring to pass what I've already said. I will raise up sources that you never thought it would come from, saith God. Uh, hallelujah. LD, here's the thing. All these years we've known each other and all these years you've continued to be faithful. And all these years God has continued to speak some things repetitively to you. And you're getting ready to walk into something in this season. There is a restoring and then there's the afterward. And you're going to begin to see God financially bring a miraculous restoration into the work of ministry greater than you have ever seen before. It's like God said I know what I've already said, and whatever I got to do to fulfill it, I will. And there is coming a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon you and upon those that God has put under your hand. There is another generation. I just said it to this young man, but it's in a different way. There's another generation of spiritual sons. You will be to young men of God what you crave to be done for you.
will be that. You are walking in that, but it's coming into a double portion. It's coming into a greater anointing. If I didn't come here to lay hands on anybody but you, it's been well worth my trip because there's something getting ready to break from Pentecost Sunday to the end of this year. You've got to begin to see it in your spirit. Jerry Savelle was just with me at the church, and there was something he said that I know he said before, but it just resonated in my spirit. He said, just don't say I receive it. Say I believe it and I receive it. And you know what God has said, but now it's time to receive what God is getting ready to loose for your future, saith the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. My friend, from sources that you have not met, from sources you do not know, there are Cyruses that are going to come into your life. And God is going to empower you to fulfill parts of the vision that have been restrained. You've never lacked vision. You've never lacked willingness. You told me what you went through and been dealing with to preach in Uganda. And I thought, thank God he's called to do that. They say, doesn't that make you want to go with him? No, it makes me want to stay home. Because that's not what I'm graced or called to do. But there's never been a lack of willingness, never been a lack of saying, God, if I need to fast, I'll fast. Fine, God, I'll fast 40 days, 10 days, every day, whatever. There's never been any of that. But God said to tell you, there are things that I have prophesied over you about this season that I must raise up a Cyrus in your life. God said from sources and I, I'm, I'm being honest about that. Uh, unless there's somebody in this room you've never met or don't know anything about, it's not the people in this room. God said, I'm going to raise up. I'm going to raise up Osiris into your life that is going to write out checks, that is going to support the vision, that's going to see what God is doing. And they may never, ever walk through the doors of this church, may never, ever attend a crusade, but they're going to empower you to fulfill this next season. You're coming in to the harvest that you've been praying for. There's a number you have asked God for. I'm talking about a number of souls. And God said, I know what it's going to cost to create the situations to reach them. And I will, from a source you do not know, bring it to pass, saith the Lord God. Somebody, praise God. Get